You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands, sanitize, check in on each other, all of the things. It's crazy. I said it before. I'll say it again because this is not normal, but we're handling it. And yeah, sending big, big, big hugs to everybody. Uh, it's been a crazy month. Where were we at? Second week of August. Honestly, the last, I swear, like four or five episodes, every time I, I turn on the mic and press record, I go in with a prayer of like, am I here? Can I speak? Sentences? Grammar? What? <laughs> it's like a prayer of like, please let me get through this. So I think it's been cohesive enough right? And coherent. See, cohesive, coherent. It's just all kind of jumbled. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing the dang thing because I want it to be consistent. And I really want to thank at the top of this episode, I want to thank everybody who's been sending me messages and tagging me or just like DMing me their, their messages of gratitude. Oh my God. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's like this, this energy that's being created in me changing as a person and I'm like opening a portal of communication with the audience or what is happening, but it's really beautiful. And I just want to thank everyone who's taken the time to to hit me up and, and say thank you and what, first of all, has done for your life or what the conversations have provided for you. It's honestly just really humbling. It gives me so much life. It helps me show up even in my foggy state to like do this. Honestly, I love recording these podcasts. So that's why I do it first of all. But um, just knowing that it, it makes an impact that it's helping people heal their inner child trauma and feeling less alone, especially right now where it's so insane. Uh, really just appreciate it. I thank you so much for taking the time and sending me that little message or that tag and uh, just glad that you all enjoy it. Also, before I go into this episode, I want to say I haven't listened to every single episode, partially because I'm scared to like hear hear myself. But the last episode that I did with Josh, I actually messaged him because I listened to it because I think I needed my own pep talk. Um, but I listened to it and I just I apologize to Josh because there was one point where we were talking about the shrooms situation. And uh, I noticed one thing was that Josh was being so vulnerable and he was talking to me about his recognition of his higher self, his inner child, and being really vulnerable and beautiful about this experience that he had. And I just swooped in and I was like, but also chemicals and neurotransmitters and you got to be careful. This is like, I turn into mom and, um, which is a tendency of mine, but not, but, and I, I heard that and I was like, ooh, I don't really like how that went. So I went back and apologized to Josh. I don't know if anybody caught that. Probably I'm making a bigger deal than it is. But hearing myself in these podcasts is like really eye-opening for me to recognize my ability to be an active listener. And um, the way that I would love to continue to grow as a person, because that's honestly one of the biggest lessons I get out of this podcast is hearing myself back and being like, oh, I don't know if that was the right representation of what I was feeling inside. At the end of the day, what matters most to me is like, 
honoring Josh's experience and the fact that he was being so open about something so personal. That's what mattered most to me. So I went back and apologized and Josh was, Josh, he's, we're, we're homies. And he was like, dude, don't even worry about it. It's fine. But I just noticed that. So I don't know if anybody else caught that. Now I'm like inviting people to nitpick me. But it's just stuff that I'm learning from this whole experience. And that's why I'm recording it. I'm just like owning up to it, putting it out into the universe so that if my lesson can be a shared lesson, then so be it. It's fine. We'll figure, we're figuring it out. You know what I mean? But with that being said, um, I'm really, really excited for this week's episode. We have Miss Lilan Bowden for this week's episode of First of All. And I just, there are not words, not enough words in the English dictionary for me to express how much I adore her. She's an actor, director, and comedian who I know through the Asian American creative world. She is a regular with Asian AF, which is, uh, Team Voltron, actually. That was even before Asian AF. But I knew her from the Upright Citizens Brigade improv comedy world. I've seen her perform so many times, and we've become friends over the years. And Lilan is just honestly one of the funniest, brightest, most genuine people that I've ever met. And um, y'all might recognize her from her most notable role, which is playing Bex on Disney Channel's Emmy-nominated show, Andy Mack. And it was also a winner of a GLAAD award and nominated for a Peabody. Like it's a, it's an amazing show. And I'm a grown woman and I've watched Disney Channel to support Lilan. And I was so moved by that show. So if you all haven't watched it, I know we're not necessarily like the target demo, but like go for it. It's, it's Disney took, they took a risk and I think they did it really well in terms of like getting real with some good topics on like identity and parenthood and teenage pregnancy and all this stuff is really great. Um, and she's also been on Indebted, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Drunk History, Future Man, Love. She's been on Parks and Rec, which is like one of my favorite things about her resume that I love. And um, the show Lifetime, which was on YouTube Red. And she performs on the online improv show Asian AF because now they're going online and she directs commercials and media uh, and now has had her directorial debut in terms of the film world in a short film called Becoming Eddie, which is the official selection of Chicago Film Festival and the Benton Film Festival. So Lilan, you know, to suffice it to say, she's very multi-talented, just a force to be reckoned with, but get her spirit is just what I love. And so we get to talk about life, career, all of the things, and just getting to know her as a person being a fellow nerd <laughs> from the Bay Area who's always been working hard to find her voice and like own who she is and whoever you are out there figuring yourself out. Let this be another story, another intimate look into somebody's perspective and experience to like help you get to where you want to go. So yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with a friend if you were moved to. I'm moved to is why I'm sharing with all of you really excitedly. But yeah, enjoy this episode. Let's call it Becoming Who You Are with Lee Lomboden. Enjoy! Minji. Hi, Lilan. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm relatively good. Relatively uh, good. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, you know, the world's on on fire, mm -hmm. you know, and especially mm -hmm. in the States, we're entering a new phase of uh, WTF <laughs> as far as madness goes. Um, Every so, day. Like, 
Yeah, I just feel really lucky that I'm like, I have a roof over my head. I'm in a safe place. I'm in a re- loving relationship. I've got friends and, and there's a lot to be thankful for for me. And I'm I'm thankful for it. Oh, my God. I love it. I'm, I'm actually I don't know if it's a survival mechanism or it's just, you know, general life maturity glow up. But I'm definitely doing more of the journaling and the gratitude practices. Yes. Like because I think it's one thing to have the attitude, which I, I, I definitely feel really grateful. But it's the doing of like writing it down, um, it, mm-hmm. acknowledging. It makes a big difference, I think. Uh, y- you know, it's it's the same thing of like. I feel like working out at home versus like working out in a class or like doing a defined class, you know, Yes. Like, where it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a good intentions or whatever. Um, but when you <laughs> when you take it, to, you take it to the next step, then that really like uh, increases your practice. Right. You know, if you're just writing down things, then that like gives like that that increases your gratitude more than just like thinking about it, I think. Funny thing that I heard today, I'm just going to fill you in on my my life uh, practices that I've been super into, accelerated by COVID. But I, <laughs> I do watch like a lot of YouTube and I watch a lot of um, spiritual teachers or just philosophers oh. and things like that. Because it honestly, it's become really fascinating for me. I do think at one point it was really survival because I was going through a breakup mm-hmm. and like all mm-hmm. this stuff. But one of the, the ones I listened to today actually was I'm big on law of attraction and they were talking about the difference between gratitude and appreciation. Oh, and I was tell like, me. That's, that's very nuanced there. Um, that they're saying that gratitude is is wonderful and it's not anything to take away from, but gratitude kind of implies you're grateful for something that you overcame. So it's something that was like difficult and that is no longer there, but in the gratitude, there's like uh there's a little bit of that energy of like that that hardship or that pain or whatever it was. Wow. Like I'm grateful, and then so appreciation is just kind of a little bit more pure love. Like wow, this is just a beautiful flower. It's not like you're not igno- you, like oh, this flower overcame so many things or like or or you overcame something to to appreciate that flower. Right. It's just <laughs> it's just appreciation. It's just like this flower is beautiful the sun and the water that made it are amazing. And so I was like, wow, that's kind of like next level. But that was something I learned today. (laughs) I love that. I Yeah, I I would say that in my mind, gratitude and appreciation are synonymous. Mm -hmm. But I I like that idea where you have like gratitude has the idea of like, you can't always expect this Mm -hmm. because you haven't always had it. Yes. Mm. You have a very good. See, okay, so this is why I was like so excited to talk to you. Okay, first of all, we all need to acknowledge. I already said this because I'm like the hype woman in all my intros. But you're one of the funniest people I've ever met. So I got to I got to know you through the Asian AF world and the UCB world. So I've already like you know touched upon that. But you're just yeah, you're one of the funniest people I've ever met, and like that I think is an innate blessing from the heavens that you just that is so kind of you (laughs) but it's also a skill so can can we just like bask in that for a second I was curious like what the origin story of this this journey because we talked about this on collabcast once upon a time Mm -hmm. um but if you could like you know for this new new conversation I, I think you also kicked us off in a good way because I would say that I have gratitude for um, my ability to do comedy now because mm-hmm. I was not a funny child. Oh. I was I was humorless. 
That's so hard to believe knowing you now. That's really... Yeah, believe it, right? I mean, I think I was a quirky kid for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I have super quirky parents who are like very quirky in different ways. Um, But like, I would say I was really insecure as a kid. Mm. Um, I was shy. A A lot of people who have listened to podcasts and stuff like no, I I like to talk about this because uh, I have I have a gratitude for like where where what felt natural to me and what where I've come you know yeah um but uh but yeah like I I think it was I, I think you talk to anybody from my elementary school or junior high I think that they would have guessed last that I would pursue a career in comedy. <laughs> Oh, wow. Last. What would they have? What would they? What do you think they would have projected for your future? Uh, you know, I liked I like to draw a lot. OK, um, so I, I think that and that's what that's what my dad thought I was going to be. He thought I was going to be a visual artist. Oh, um, like I, I was also like I was a brainy kid, you know, smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so something academic. Uh, I, I, I had the skills if I wanted to. I could have pursued a, a life in programming, I think, or web coding. I, yeah. I, I taught myself some basic HTML when I was in middle school because why not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, comedy, comedy kind of, comedy kind of, there's so many good quotes on this and I don't know any of them off the top of my head, but like <laughs> so many people talk about comedy being born from um, a necessity to deal with tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of like, and um, not that, that my life's been particularly tragic, but um, I did have some squeezy years that were really hard on me, um, like uh, middle school was a really big adjustment for me. Uh-huh. I was a lot younger than my peers because I had skipped a grade. Ooh. Um, I was going from private school to public school, and that was an adjustment for me. Where like my my classes in elementary school were um, like fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, all one class, thirty kids. That's it, and that's those are the kids you stay with for fourth, fourth fifth, and sixth grade, right? That's pretty um, brutal, right? And then um, public school is like two thousand kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> one grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to use a locker. Uh, so I just carried all my heavy books in my backpack (laughs) for like the first couple weeks. I know it was rough. I was tiny. My parents were getting divorced. Um, and I have many friends. (laughs) I just want to go hug little Lilan. Oh, she needs it. Yeah. Go get in that time capsule. (laughs) Find her. And I'm in it. She's the one that's a foot shorter than everybody else and has hair down to her knees. Oh my god, how cute. I can't even I can't even. I bet you're like the cutest kid ever. She's dwarfed by her giant backpack. And she's a great and you're younger than everyone that's her peer. Oh my gosh. I'm tiny. Uh so so in in high school I I found improv club. <sighs> high mm-hmm. school. High school. Yeah, uh, high school improv club. Second year sophomore i found comedy sports club uh, after school club some of my drama friends were doing it and uh i really liked it i was like oh i can i i i got something out of it right away where it's like wait you can just make something up and people can laugh and and it was just that easy you know it didn't take rehearsal yeah yeah (laughs) it didn't it, it didn't take a lot of commitment like we were all just making each other laugh right there and and so that's that's where it all started, I think. You know, I always wanted to do um, acting. I knew I always wanted to be an actor. Uh, and so even though I was a shy kid, I expressed this wish to my parents and they were like, OK, well, we'll see what we can do. And they found like a workshop, like a cold call audition in the Bay Area that I went to. 
Um, and I actually did go on commercials, uh, auditions for local commercials. I shot a couple of local commercials as like a 10 year old. What? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it's so, funny. And I, I let people know that in the Bay Area, there's actually a really blooming, uh, booming little commercial world that yeah. I didn't know about. So you're part yeah. of that. I was back in the day where they took Polaroids of you. That's and it wasn't fun and vintage. <laughs> it was nece- necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a kitschy thing. It was like, no, this no, is all they we needed got. It. We don't, we don't do digital. Wow. What, who did you? Have to, did you have an agent and all that stuff? How did you? How was this entry into? I did. Okay. The industry. Uh, so the entry into the the child commercial world for me was my parents took me. Like I think they saw something in the paper that was like cold call. Uh, audition for these agent workshops mm-hmm. and they're like okay we'll take her and so i did and then i got into these agent workshops which to this day i don't know if they're like scam or not you know yeah, like yeah. you know what i mean like some of those things it's like they you do get work but it also is like does everybody just get in i don't know right right and um, they're like give us 40 percent of the cut and like, something like standard. that yeah. i'm sure i'm yeah. sure it was yeah so i did an audition and then got into this workshop which was like an eight-week class period and at the end of these classes you um perform in front of a group of agents and then the agents decide if they want to take you on wow and so two agents at the end of that um specifically asked um for me to be on their roster um, and like my parents didn't know, I didn't know. So like I signed with two agents at once. <laughs> <laughs> You're just that in demand, I, Lilan. It's fine. You know? <laughs> That's so I like thinking about it. It's like, how did they allow that? Did they know about each other? I don't know how that happened. Now you're wondering um, now, like, can I do that now? Will they know? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather not like pay out two people. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm already like paying out my paycheck to everybody. Exactly. 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 <laughs> I, I mean, like when I work, of course, right. um, the, out, out there for the Hollywood aspirationals. If someone is ex- asking for money up front, it is scam. Don't do they it. They only get paid if you work. Yes. People don't um, know that. I'm sure we were all entering. I actually did John Robert's power, John Robert Powers. Is that what you did by the, by any chance? Or no, what no. Was your, do you know remember the name of your workshop? I do. Oh, not the workshop. Okay. Um, I just remember my agencies. Got One was it. A, um, an entirely uh, uh, Latinx focused agency because they thought I looked Spanish. Like, because <laughs> you're half Asian, so yeah, yeah that's so I could be anybody. <laughs> Wow. I, I usually get mistaken for most identities that aren't mine before my own. How like culturally. What were the most top what were the top five? Uh Latinx, obviously for sure. Mm-hmm. Um uh Phil Filipina. Um okay. Filipinex I, I get mistaken for a lot. Um let's see. Uh I mean Hawaiian. Hawaiian is uh when I went to Hawaii because my grandma, my white grandma, um uh, up until her death lived in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And so when I went to go visit her, um, people gave me discounts because they thought I was Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> My well, mistaken identity might as well milk it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, like a preteen. So I was like, sweet. You're like, yeah, you awesome. Know, I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't know that I was taking advantage of a to be claiming a culture that was not my own <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know okay like, we didn't know we did not know we did not know um so 
so yeah, like lots lots of things. I, I mean, I, I've gone into some stores in Glendale, and um, Armenian shop owners will ask if I'm Armenian as well, which I, I think is. Uh, it, it, like less common, but yeah, I've definitely gotten mistaken as a lot of things besides mixed race, Taiwanese and white. I mean, this is such an interesting time where we have this higher consciousness of that. And I'm so grateful for that. Very Me grateful um, because it was it has not been the conversation. And that's why like nah. it feels it is new and slightly uncomfortable. But it's great, I think, because now there's more of a curiosity versus an assumption and yes. a more openness to just like own your identity versus feel like, I don't, I don't know. Even like for me as an East Asian person, Mm -hmm. you know, people guessing what I was, it could be like a game and it's genuine. (laughs) There are people where I was just genuinely like, oh, that's cool that they want to know. You know, that was like a point of pride for me. Like, oh, they, I have something that's different about me and unique, but then. Because you'll, you'll take whatever curiosity you can get. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, thank you so much for taking an interest in me. I appreciate you appreciating me. Right. But then the other part is just like. Yeah, you're just like a, oh. a thing to a puzzle to be figured out, and then you're thrown all kinds of suggestions. You're like, hey. it, it blew my mind when I understood that I didn't, I didn't owe people the conversation of explaining my cultural identity. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. by people, I mean strangers, right? Like it, it blew my mind because you know you only know what your experiences in this life, and my experiences is that you know I was getting asked probably maybe once a day by a stranger excuse me, what are you? And I felt like it was my obligation to engage and explain my cultural identity every single time right. to every stranger that asked. Um, and like, same thing with you where it's just like, oh, I, I, I don't mind talking about it. I, I, I like that people are curious, but yeah, it, it comes with this flip side of like, Oh, not everybody gets asked that question. Right. You know, exactly. not everybody like is, is demanded that information upon first sight. Right. <laughs> they they are asked other facets of their being, which yes. might be uh, not your race. Right. <laughs> or not at all. I right. mean, I, or I imagine I imagine a glorious day where I go out in the world and I ask every white man to explain to me where their ancestors <laughs> came from. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. We just I know. Start doing that. I know you're just in front of me in line buying coffee, but I need to know where, where are you from? No, 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 not not like in the states. Like where are you, where are you from? From where, where France, are you from? From Ireland, Germany. Tell me what is your ethnic ma- backup? What is your genealogy? How far back does it go? When did you come here? And like, how did you get so good at English? <laughs> yeah, if you're Irish, how did you learn to speak English? Tell me. <laughs> Your accent is amazing. (laughs) Those are like little awakenings that I have, like how when I was, you know, in um, like elementary school and and junior high, which is funny. I love that you and I say junior high because that's very telling of like our generations because. What do, what do, what does Gen Z say? The youngins, they all have middle school. Like at some point my junior high became a middle school. So junior high, for those who don't know, junior high, when I was growing up, apparently Lilan, we were both. Bay Area um, of a certain time and era, junior high was just seventh and eighth grade. And that was like it. And then middle school is sixth, seventh, and eighth. Oh, so I went to middle school then. Oh, you went to middle school. Mm-hmm. But did yes. they call it junior high? Yep. Oh, 
let's see, Can- Canyon Middle School. Okay, everybody knows now. Um, <laughs> it was middle school. See, that, that I switched. I moved. I too moved, and uh, I, I dealt with a transition in eighth grade. So I moved from a junior high to middle school, and I genuinely, like, still to this day, want to do like a, a skit or something about that awakening because I think there was a huge difference between a, a junior high and a middle school. Because incorporating what, what is the difference? I'm so curious. Having sixth graders in with a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds, like you're taking 11 year olds and throwing them in the mix with 12 and 13 year olds. And I think that's a very like tender age where everybody's always just trying to act older, right? You're just mm-hmm. in that transition period. And like, I don't know, 13, there's reasons why there's movies about 13. Because it's like <laughs> the worst. Oh, yeah, so many. I mean, right. Andy Mack was revolved around the pilot was... Is called 13. Yeah. Okay. We have to talk about Andy Mac. I freaking, mm-hmm. I fell in love with that show so hard. <gasps> and I love your daughter, quote unquote. She's the best. Yeah. But like that age was so tender and there's such a insecurity that's like, honestly, in my Minji universe, would love to shield 11 year olds from as much as humanly possible because you're going to get there eventually. It's going to be awful. Mm. We all know it. But like 13 is like, you're trying so hard to basically be a high schooler. Right. So true. And so there was a really different vibe when I moved in the middle of eighth grade from a junior high, which was just 12 and 13 year olds to a middle school where there's 11, 12 and 13 year olds and Mm -hmm. seeing like how these sixth graders, you know, you're trying to act like whoever's the big, big kid on campus. Right. Right. So they're all trying to be 13 and every 13 year olds trying to be. 18, 16, 16, yeah, whatever. And so it was really interesting to me. And I was like, wow, the vibe was really different. And it's just kind of this like upwardly mobile and (laughs) secure. And then it was a very middle. Do you think that like if it's just seventh and eighth grade, it tends to chill out that age and they're just like, okay, I'm I'm chill. Or is it just more about protecting the the tender sixth graders? Kind of. I feel like this. Okay. The vibe I got with seventh and eighth grade is that they were more self-involved, which is normal for 12 and 13 year olds. Oh yeah. And then, but like when you threw in sixth graders, these young kids are really desperately trying to like impress you and like be there. There was a little bit more vibe of like just trying so hard. There's more trying in that mix. Whereas 12 and 13 year olds like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Like who are even are you? So there's a different, uh, double-edged sword. Get this. When... I was in seventh grade. Uh huh. I had just turned 11. Oh my God. I had just turned 11. I had my 11th birthday and then started school. How? How? That is I, so wild to me. I mean, but that's like, you're extraordinary. That's why, because you're brilliant. You, you skipped a grade, but like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm baffled now as a grown woman to recognize the difference, right? I think it was tough. Like, I mean, I mean, like, I'm I'm grateful for I think and I think you're right. I think that, yeah, like all of what you're saying was absolutely true for me, where I was a les- a lev- 11 desperately trying to be 13. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was so just devastated that I hadn't start started puberty or developing, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, and, and I wasn't supposed to be. I was 11. I just turned, I was a child. Right. <laughs> You know, but it was it was just so devastating, like being in the locker room and like all these girls are like talking about their periods and um, getting training bras or real bras. Right. And stuff. And I don't I don't need one. Yeah. (laughs) Like like, I'm not close. I don't I don't know when this is going to happen. I begged my parents to just get me any bra just so I wouldn't get made fun of in the locker room. 
They made fun. Okay, can you? Okay, if you're okay with it, what did? I'm sorry, I'm gonna get oh, salty. It's like, what do these bitches say? Like, I'm oh, like, <laughs> well, like you said, twelve thirteen. Everybody's obsessed, and everybody is looking to scapegoat somebody else. You know, yeah. Ev- like you know, and so it's. I can't remember like any quotes, but it's just like you know, girls would just be like, "Girl, where's your bra?" <laughs> you oh, know, like that's so tough. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, and, you know, boys will, like, you, like, the, uh, the the basic stuff, like, f- uh, like, flat as a board, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just r- rough, you know, like, boys are snapping girls' bras and stuff. Yeah. And, like, no one even tried for me because I looked like a child. But, like, I desperately wanted a bra for boys to snap. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how low it was. Uh, okay, well, I, I'll throw my hat in the ring with the bra thing. It's so Get weird in here. because I so I was actually opposite of you in terms of like I went through puberty really young, so mm. I got my period in fifth grade, and Whoa. so yeah, so I I was the opposite in terms of like height and development. I was like, it, this is funny because I'm a teeny person now, but at the time I was like the tallest in my class. I I had a certain level of like comfort like I liked boys starting when I was like four and the first boy (laughs) that liked me back was when I was seven so there was like a certain level of comfort I had with like liking boys and whatever because I had my older Mm -hmm. brother and all that but also I was like wildly insecure so it's just like this weird mix right and like even though I had the perks of say you know in in your context like the perks of like wearing bras and like having kind of entered that phase earlier um, I still was doing the comparison game. So especially when I was in locker rooms and there were more developed girls, like say, yeah, I have like my, my little cute little training bra. I didn't fill it out. Right. So like mm-hmm. there, and there, and there are a few girls again, they're like the one percenters. Right. But they are like <laughs> developed and they're wearing like, you know, like a 32 C and you're like, Jesus, you're 12. How? Years old. Yeah. How? And it's funny. Cause like that is, that's no picnic either. I think it would, I, I, I think it would feel traumatizing to, just to have like a fully developed chest at a really young age. But to us, we were like, that is the dream. Right. Right. (laughs) The dream. (laughs) Right. Can I just one day achieve? And these are, okay, we have to continue having 50 more episodes on this line because I love talking about this with you. But I've definitely been like just examining womanhood in general. And like, Mm -hmm. what are these uh, notions of like what qualifies me or anybody Mm -hmm. as like a woman and like from a young age when you're still learning the mechanics of everything first of all and then like (laughs) and then like your feelings and your psychology are like all just a freaking circus and you don't even know how to figure anything out and what's up from down i'm still figuring it out to be honest like like my 30s what what um what does that look like What, what do you what do you mean when you say like you're figuring out what my identity is as a woman well, one of the things that I w- want to do like a whole hour 10 on is um, the ways that as a tomboy, I was a really big tomboy growing up, mm-hmm. um, really trying to emulate and be like my big brother. Um, what I adopted along the way in the particular generation that I grew up with, with our specific, you know, pop culture, you know, and conversations. Oh, yes. What I qualified oh. as being like 
being woman and womanly was never a goal of mine ever celebrating being a girl was not what I aspired to. And as far as I can remember, it was all about being one of the boys. And I am really recognizing right, like in real time right now, how much I adopted like toxic masculinity. When I look back on like my attitudes towards myself, towards other women, towards dudes and like getting their approval, X, Y, Z, a lot of it was influenced by this like highly toxic masculine. You can't see me right now, but I am nodding my (laughs) head so hard. It is so real. Um, I think that like this next generation has like a just a much healthier idea. But yes, I would say especially when we were high schoolers. Like what? We were high schoolers, what, like early aughts? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, like it was all about how coolness was all about how you could reject other women mm-hmm. and fit in with men. Yes. It, like it, our, our culture revolved around it. Our media, our movies, our TV. You wanted to be the cool girl. We're talking Avril Lavigne, skater boy <laughs> situations. Yes. Yes. Like you wanted you wanted to be the cool girl that could hang with the guys that love sports, even though I hate sports. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Don't <laughs> and care. And it feels good. It feels good to say it because for, for so long I was like, yeah, sports are cool. Um, I find them boring. Yes. Um, I mean, there's some that I like to play. But as far as watching, like my brain just goes. No. Like, and I and I watch I try to watch anything else. I I've tried hard. I'm a good sport at baseball games if like like back in the before times when we all could like go to a a pub and all watch a basketball game I was always a good sport yep I hate sports Thank um you. but oh. you weren't you kind of weren't allowed to right no. in, in like our time it was like y- like you wanted desperate a compliment was you're not like other girls yes that okay. was the, now that was I'm the best compliment <laughs> So much nodding happening. Like, yes, I can't. I, I'm so just, awesome. I am not like other girls. Girls suck. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yes. Minji. I'm just like, and this, this is like, everything has been flipped on its head. Honestly, I'd say in the majorly in the last like three years, especially. I mean, I've always, mm-hmm. in theory... And I think in principle, like really all about girl power and about... But it really, it was this... It, it, it's not what it is now as as I guess mm-hmm. what I can summarize it to. And I do yeah. really feel encouraged by the conversations that are happening now, the vibe, the attitude, the the words that we're saying is what I would have died to have grown up with. And I think it would have been very different. It is. I'm not mm-hmm. regretting it. It is what it is. But I mm-hmm. want to share about that because it was very different than now. It was very oh, yeah. different. And I and I think that car- we were talking about comedy, you know, and I think that for me that carried over into comedy. I think that was one of the things that also like attracted me to comedy is because um, it, it was a it was an opportunity to prove that quote I could be as funny as the guys. Mm, so like real. yeah, like it, it was, and that was like the whole um, vibe of like my comedy troupe and. Um, high school, I would say, even though like I loved these people and, and, and also we had so many funny girls in it. Mm-hmm. So many funny girls. Um, and yet still like our troupe was good because look, we have funny girls like guys. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like the whole the whole feeling was framed around maleness. Um, I'll say in college that changed. Um, I went to college at UC Irvine and um, the 
the troupe there was called Live Nude People with Clothes On. And <laughs> I, I don't know what rule. Yeah, so, you know. That's a great. You, 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 oh. get them, you get them with the title. Yes. The title is funny, so I'm you're in. like, okay, let me I'm see. Um, but uh, at least in my four years there, um, the the team made a point of casting 50% at least women. Nice. Um, and then some years it was women dominant because just women happened to be funnier mm-hmm. in the auditions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an experience where it's just like, oh, gen- like gender feels relaxed. And then, you know, I, I go to L.A. Um, and uh, and like I'm I'm so grateful to Upright Citizens Brigade because like I all of my friends there, my current boyfriend is, is from I met there um, like and uh, I that place I could. Um, developed my skills and it helped launch my career in comedy. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like you talk to anyone, it's no secret that definitely, especially when I started, um, it was a boys club. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. there were girls in it, but it was male dominant and male comedy was definitely preferred. And female comedians who acted more like, like could cater to male comedy um, did better. Right. Because they're the gatekeepers. I mean, they're the ones yeah. qualifying what's funny and what's not. Yeah. I, and in my time there, like there's definitely been some strides and stuff like that. Um, and also right now, th- thanks to the um, Black Lives Matter conversation that um, thank goodness that it's it's at the forefront and it's not some weird niche thing anymore. Um, like uh, the theater is reexamining how it treats uh, women and people of color disabilities, um, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um but like, uh, but even still, you know, it has a, it, it, there's so much room for growth. Right. And, and I think the appreciation part of me right now is just like, <laughs> we're, we're growing. Yay. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to take away from that. And it, it, it can be, you know, we're, we're hungry for that change. So it can feel like, why is it still a problem? But I, the mature Minji can like step back. <laughs> I'm not saying that's all the time, but when I am mature, I can step back. I can take 10 steps back because I've been in the diversity conversation, at least for Asian Americans, right? For, for like, sure. 11 years straight and mm-hmm. um, hardcore, always having these conversations. There's a part of me that gets so like, why are we still talking about this? Why is this a thing? Why is this? We're so el- elementary right now. Like, <sighs> yeah, but like I have that. And then what I think has happened recently is to just, seeing all the other changes that are also coinciding on much, well, that's, that's, I don't know if that's the right word is called much bigger. It's just like also mm. really big issues, right. Um, on other perspectives of identity, mm-hmm. like recognizing everything takes time. It can feel so like, there's this perfect word in Korean, it's just like, uh, just so such a strain. It's like so annoyingly, exa- like, what is it called? Frustrating. Like that's, I don't know how oh, to like that. describe it in English. What's but, that word? Chigyoa. Like you're just rolling your eyes, throwing Chigyo. your head back and you're like flapping your arms because you're like, why? <laughs> why is it taking so long? It's so much better in emotion, you know? Oh, I love that. But it, it feels that way when you're in it, but also like it can, you gotta like, for me, I got to take 10 steps back and be like, we're making strides. Things are happening. Things are definitely in flux. We're, we're trying to, there's a massive upheaval that's happening. It's going to, it's not going to happen overnight. So mm-hmm. just like, yeah, we're moving it along and now we're and having better conversations. And at the same time, I'm also like charged, you yeah. know, like it's like, oh, I can be the mover alonger. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are so like, the mover alonger. 
it, it's it's it feels like you know stressful and empowering yes. to be like oh wait no one's no, like it's not about waiting it's about doing yes okay i am making a call to my representative oh don't hang up don't hang up <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm on hold don't hang up don't hang up. <laughs> which we did and i was i wrote my first handwritten letters or like post oh no emails and because yes. we did a little like activism thing in our little group which oh, i, I was it. curious if you would do you want to plug do you want to share what that's all about we're doing like a little activism group um Oh, oh, A plus, A plus, yeah. Oh my gosh, um, yes, uh, it, it's a group of uh, a- Asian ladies who are writing postcards and making calls and stuff. Um, headed up by Kulop Velisak, uh, mm-hmm. who is a power lady queen. Um, also, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Kulop, like, uh, I have a like a big sister fondness um for for Kulap because when I started at Upright Citizens Brigade as an intern she was the house manager at the time mm-hmm. and so she was like the first person maybe the first person of color that I actually met at UCB wow you know like and so like she will always like have that she's like, a force of nature mind. I I um, really quick I know that we're talking about activism but I need to say and Naomi cause... Scott I just wanted to get yes. get them out there okay oh Naomi two queens Real quick, yes. though, because I, I want to further hype women, both you and Cool Up. The <laughs> two of you, I just have to say, this is two of my favorite moments that I have from Parks and Recreation. <gasps> that was what is one of my favorite shows. And me, that I'm in my fledgling writer, showrunner phases of my life. Um, for me, The Office and Parks and Rec have like set a very specific standard for me in terms like or envision of like what kind of comedy I love and like the kind of show and the kind of messaging, all of it that I want to say. And Kulov, who we're referring to specifically is the queen that played Ulani, who plays Ben Wyatt's stepmother, future stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> and her delivery of her one line of like she is playing his like like resting bitch face to the T amazing future stepmother. And she's like, Oh, Ulani such a great name. What does it mean? And she just goes joyful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I died and I didn't know cool up at the time, but I, re- she was seared in my memory forever as like one of the most savage comedians. I was like, that was perfect. Hilarious. I don't know how else that. it could be perfect. And then you also were in the future episode playing <laughs> cones of Dunshire against Ben Wyatt. Oh my gosh! One of one of my most favorite roles of all time, really. So like, good, you know. I was such a fan of Parks and Rec. And you and killed it. Thank you. And then just like that, I got to like play like this thing that like became very iconic. Cones of Dunshire doesn't it exist it was now. So fun. Um, yes, I believe. Like, yeah, it like retroactively <laughs> happened because that's um, what they do. That's what fans do. They're like, well, let's actually make this a thing. You can get T-shirts. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I just, I, you killed it. And you're like such a good, and because we're from the Bay too, it just, uh, that part, it, the fact that you were such a brilliant woman of color, comedian, and playing a tech nerd, it was yes. like all of me. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and you killed it. And it was such a like, because it's the Google spoof and right. you just nailed it. It was so good. Thank you, Minji. Dang, I feel really good. <laughs> good. I'm glad because I'm telling you, and those are those are specific details that I, I like to put on the universe because I just don't think that 
there's sometimes people that qualify success or like meaningful things based on, especially now, like mm-hmm. quantifiable metrics. Like, oh, you were a series regular and blah, blah, blah. Show. All that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible. Number of followers. Right, et cetera, right, right. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How viral are you? Mm-hmm. And yes, not, not in a COVID way. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole different viral thing now, 2020. <laughs> but it's also the, the, the fact that like, no like cool ops one line and you're seen in that, like that changed my life. It honestly gave me those, those representations, you know, matter. And, you know, might not even be that obvious. Like in that moment, you're super aware of like what's happening. Like it's that it's like the, one of these key milestones that you're like, Oh, because of that, that's what made me realize like women are freaking hilarious. They can kill in one line, one word, and they can embody all of comedy and artistry. And like, in a simple scene that like it doesn't have to be something really like huge and all the fanfare. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that that's really meaningful, too, because, yeah, I feel like a lot of my favorite things uh, that I've done are not necessarily the ones where I've had the biggest parts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, save for Andy Mac. Cause yeah. And I want to talk to you. But yeah. But yeah, I love that. And so I just, I want to, there's no, um, no role too small is what I'm saying. And, and I just appreciate that. And then we can, and then now you've graduated, like, so like you're freaking director now and you, then Andy Mack, like, can you bring us to that portion of your journey? Cause I, I'm just curious, like how that felt for you, how that was for you to go like it's not like hum- I just I personally put UCB and like being a regular and all these amazing comedy shows to be a very significant thing. But to go from all these amazing live shows to being like a series lead for a Disney show, like how did whoa, how for live? <laughs> that's like the dream, you know, Um, it was it was the dream. My imagination like tapped out a long time ago of like what I could (laughs) accomplish and stuff like that for real. I was like, I hope to be in a commercial someday. Um, Like, you know, and and I love comedy and and I love live comedy and I'll always do it. You know, like it. I think that like I I was explaining to I don't know, maybe it was like people on Andy Mac or or, or something just being like, well, why would you do live comedy now that you don't have to anymore? It's like, well, it's because I don't, it's not that I have to, it's yeah. because I like to. Yeah. It's my, it's where I feel good. Yeah. Even if, even if I have bunk shows sometimes, you know, like it's because like you make it up, you, you're not in control of right. the script. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, getting on Andy Mac, so many boxes checked in one, one project, the idea, like my first series regular, um, I get to play something where my cultural identity is relevant. Yes, like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sub in for another race, which is which I have done, <laughs> right? All <laughs> because categories. Oh, you know, like I, I mean, it's it's a common thing in in the the people of color culture in in Hollywood because, like, like you said, gatekeepers gatekeepers are the people who are making decisions and so it's like if you can pass for a race you'll play it mm-hmm. um and th- that you know it feels good to get work but it doesn't feel good to do that right and um so it's like oh i get to be somebody of like chinese descent who is a mixed race and i'm not i'm not trying to like fudge for you know like oh she's full you know like just exactly who i am right i get to be i get to have dramatic scenes i get to have comedic scenes yeah um i 
like I get to be part of a, a groundbreaking show. It was. Holy moly. It I is. get to be part of mm-hmm. Disney Channel's first LGBT storyline show. Yes. Um, first Asian American family show. Yes. Winner of a GLAAD Award. Uh, a Peabody. Yeah. Um, uh, like d- 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 Honors uh, Academy Award. Um, which is different from an Academy Award. Okay. <laughs> but Honors Academy. Very um, cool. Where, where they highlighted some like shows that they um, thought were like really, really progressive and awesome. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt it at the time, too. I, I, I really felt like I did not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I remember we were shooting a promo. So everybody had come in on a weekend, I think, um, to to shoot a promo or to shoot our title cards or something like that. Um, and I just started like sobbing in the makeup chair. Oh. <laughs> um, and I was getting my hair done and my hairstylist like got really concerned. And she was like, do you not like the hairstyle? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, I'm just so happy. Oh. <laughs> I just never I never thought. This would be part of my life, like in this in in a way that is this big. That's oh, my God, I'm getting emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's like you never know when that's going to hit and you never know. Mm -hmm. I've had different moments in my life where I was like surprised at what moved me. Right. And there there Mm -hmm. are things that like you thought it would be the moment you get X or you experience Y, but it's something completely different. And it's very humbling. And it's very extraordinary mm-hmm. to like feel that that level of like gratitude and appreciation. It's like, I think that's what moves you to tears. It's like, yeah, I'm just so happy. Like, I can't, I can't believe this is my life, but this is my life. And those are really, really special. I'm just so like, I'm happy you got to have that moment. Cause to me, it's not about like deserved, but like, it's really nice when somebody who I think and believe deserves it like they've it's it was not a a matter of like nepotism or just like Mm. necessarily being at the right place the right time you were you made yourself right place right time because it was a matter of them like creating the show and having um the the creative liberty to like do all these things that you're talking about by being thematically and like storyline, the narrative being of a specificity that you could also fit. Like they, that was also Mm. there, but you were doing all of this work since high school on yourself as a creative person and as a human being to be able to be (laughs) in that right place at the right time. You know what I'm saying? So it's like part complete miracle. I think like that's when life like (laughs) tickles me and like, I'm like, wow, this is just so amazing. But then there's also like that, like you, you did the work, you know, you were, you were preparing for that this whole time. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest, like, like thankfulness is that when that role came, Mm -hmm. I was ready. Yes. It didn't come sooner. You know, I'm, I'm glad it came exactly when it did (sighs) because it, it would be such a shame if that role came along and I just, I, I, I didn't have the chops yet, you know, for sure. Somebody, I, my, okay. My, my memory in COVID time is like, I can't remember 45 <laughs> minutes ago, but I get it. a recent conversation on this podcast was talking about just exactly that about you, things will arrive when you're ready for them or like, and it's that it's the best thing to have it that way. You wouldn't want an mm-hmm. opportunity to come prematurely, like before you're yeah. ready to deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and that's the only way I feel like in this industry that's so much based on luck mm. um as well as like talent and um and scale and you know connection you know there's so many that like this this industry has so much randomness in it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the outlook that you have to have 
just to be sane. That (laughs) if something, if you don't get something, it wasn't yours to have. Yes. And so the way you can get things that are yours to have is invest in yourself and your skills as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Make it so you get things that are yours to have. (sighs) I'm getting so weepy. (laughs) It's just, it's speaking to a lot of things in my life right now. Um, oh, wow. Whether that's professional. I mean, I feel that about a lot of things. I feel that about where I'm at. And I mean, I mean I'm also fully aware to be even be able to um, be lamenting over like career stuff in the middle of like this pandemic is it is its own. It's a privilege. privilege right. Or, and mm-hmm. and I fully recognize that. And then on the flip side, I feel like, OK, if I'm able to have this privilege, I want to use it to its fullest right like potential because what i want to create is i want to create jobs for other people i want to help drive an economy so that um creatives whether they work directly with me on a project or like i'm working on this startup to like hire production crew so that they get treated well and that they get paid fairly Mm -hmm. and things like that you know like i know that my grander vision is also to hopefully uplift others around me too. So I'm not just and like leaving it. At it my always privilege. has been, right. I think like since I've known you, like you have been the most like energetic and giving person. Like you're talking about being like, you know, people's hype men and stuff like that. And you're so good at it. Like, I think like definitely I would, I would cite you as one of those people who just doesn't stop. Right. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're on episode 123 of this podcast, not even like your only podcast. <laughs> You know, like, like I've seen you host collaboration. I've seen you like out there, like doing the work and like putting yourself out there and also creating opportunities for other people. And it's I mean, it's it's just as much a privilege to know you. Oh, thank you. And like be in your circle. Thank you. That's honestly like that's that's the best feeling. And, And I think just what you're saying in terms of like what I've what I've been unintentionally preparing for. Um, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really coming upon me now and mm-hmm. it's scaring the bejesus out of me because there's part of me that's you know it's like the humble oh, yeah. realistic part of me is like oh, are you ready for this girl like oh, yeah, I know. you sure like you try to be those a are CEO. the real feelings i think those are those are the real feelings of all people who are doing great things you know i think that um a lot of the people that we admire or came before us probably still have those feelings right Just like right. That, that what is it called imposter syndrome yes where you feel like oh, well i'm not i'm not like a real director i'm not a real actor exactly. you know like not like these people yeah but the truth is is that the the these people also are thinking that exactly you know and the only people who don't are are, are so i feel like are lacking a, yeah <laughs> they're lacking a self-awareness that makes you hum- humble and and kind and grateful my friend you literally know? said that to me she's like minji it's really really good that you think that way i know that it's a lot and it's very like taxing and that's fine but also <laughs> just you're not a sociopath or a narcissist so that's good so yeah oh like, yeah thank you thank you so much but Be- yeah better to have like self-doubt than um i think just be a terror <laughs> <laughs> And on that, because I'm so like, I actually got to, I was so lucky to watch your freaking direct. Was that your directorial debut? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, killed. aside from like sketch comedies. Thank you. Yeah. Like film, right? Like in terms of yes, film. A film project. Um, Becoming Eddie. Like, so you reached that dream of like Andy Mack. You've done such a wonderful job. I've only watched, I'd say this, and I'm fully like just being transparent with you. I don't watch, I don't, I rarely, if ever, finish any series. The fact, again, that I finished The Office and Parks and Rec says 
volumes about that show. I (laughs) have not finished maybe any other show lately except Crash Landing on You. Um, But I've watched like (laughs) five or six episodes of Andy Mac. And I was genuine. I was like, it's a Disney show. You know, I'm not the target demo. No, that means a lot. I love it. When one of my peers. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, It really means a lot to me. Like when somebody like who is in my age range watches Andy Mac because you don't have to there are so many things to watch on TV it's so I'm really good. behind on like watching my my like friends media and stuff that they're in like and I'm trying to do it I'm trying to support but it's hard sometimes you know you want to do what you know which is Project Runway right exactly <laughs> you I was know? like what's on Queer Eye today yeah exactly <laughs> and so to like get out there and just try something that isn't even for your demographic it means a lot thank you you're welcome and I, I thank you because when I this is why I feel very fortunate that like that we get to know the people that we know because because it does invite and introduce other things that I wouldn't have like in a normal setting, like volunteered to do, but I want to support a friend. And like, because of that, I think I've been able to watch so much great work that I don't, I just like, I I don't know what what circumstance I would have watched it otherwise. And I, for anybody who's listening and if anyone has nieces, nephews, whatever, like, or just as a grown adult, there's so much to be said about all the relationships in Annie Mac, like relationship with self between mother, daughter, you know, yes. generationally, mm-hmm. um, racially, Friends. like all it's mm-hmm. so it's just really well done. And that's why I like give my hats off to Disney because they didn't have to make that show and they chose mm-hmm. to. And I was like, yo, this is, this is a good move. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> the business person in me is like, well done guys. And I think well that done. speaks to also like, yeah, like Disney channel, like really, um, champion that show. And, um, and I'm so grateful that they made a home for it. And the creator, Terry Minsky, um, I, I think why that you feel the relationship so much is because um, we had lots of talented writers and Terry like really felt every character. Mm. She felt every character. She like she could feel their likes and dislikes. She could feel what what made them happy and what made them uncomfortable. Um, and and there was also like a collaboration for um, like popping out these these cultural storylines like the episodes of um chinese new year um uh and 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 stuff like that what is it like when a chinese family comes to visit what what are what what might you see there right um that like uh some of the writers contacted like lauren who plays my mom lauren tom Mm -hmm. and and i for our experiences right um and so like the ancestors that we we pray to at the altar are actually lauren's relatives Oh, wow. Like, yeah, there are pictures of Lauren's ancestors, her grandparents or mom, dad, I don't know. That's so dope. I See, I'm about the details, man. I mean, that's what brings truth to, I mean, I know this as an actor, it's like when you get specificity, you get mm-hmm. realness. That's something to Ooh. work with, you know? You, can, you feel like, it. Yeah. You feel, you feel when something's authentic, I think. Right. You know? And that's the thing, and you that, don't have to be an actor to like, or like, you know, in the industry to, people mm-hmm. know that when you're trying to fake yeah. the funk, people can feel that. They're like, I don't buy it. Like, yeah. Exactly. And and that's what we did with Becoming Eddie, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like what makes Becoming Eddie um, it, about like a, a Korean boy in the 80s who's trying to fit in with his classmates by um, wanting to be like his favorite, like, you know, profanity uh, <laughs> laden comedian. Um, that was based off of the writer Ed's Ed Lee's like story. You know, he yeah. worshipped Eddie Murphy and he worshipped all these comedians from the 80s. And he was like, if I could just be like them, you know, I could fit in. Yeah. Um, and 
Uh, and, and so these scenes are like from Ed's life, you know, even though it's a fantasy, like the in, in our movie, the, the boy actually gets his wish. So then he's stuck with the voice of this cursing yeah, foul this mouth, foul mouth guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, like when we when we set up Jessa, which is um, a Korean um, ritual, you know, like I'm I'm just saying this to the yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the to the people please, out there. Yeah. I'm like explaining you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> please do. Um, uh, like like we used a picture of um, Ed's real grandpa. Oh, that's, yeah. See, I mean, it just brings such layered reality to it and that's what i felt from it you know what i mean and and for me i'm just keeping it real like i've watched i've been very fortunate to be like a juror or like just witness a lot of the kind of the evolution of asian american short films and and narratives and films and stuff like that but there was something really bold about this one that was very truthful and like i think boldness i equate a lot with like honesty like you're not pulling Mm -hmm. punches do you know what i'm saying like you're not trying to make it palatable to somebody you're like no this is what it is that's how like profane and this is how ridiculous this story is we're just gonna go with it and that's why i loved it so much you know it's not necessarily my cup of tea if i used to love the really profane comedy but like the older (laughs) i'm just like come on be more clever like you don't (laughs) fart jokes cool like there's other things to laugh at but uh you know like but i just love that it was very honest like that's how i felt and it was it was like fully zany fully like going into the fantasy i personally just i was like yo and then i realized (laughs) that you had i realized you directed it after so i didn't know no way yeah i didn't so just oh my FYI, goodness. I responded well before I knew it was made by a friend. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that mean that that means extra. Yeah. <laughs> How did that go? OK, because like I know that it's just like that's a whole different, you know, I imagine I'm projecting because like I, I also want to direct. But like, how did that go from how did you get on that project as a director? Ed uh, and I have been friends for a bit, too. Um, we, we've got like some mutual friends in common. We okay. know each other from Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, Ed's been a longtime TV staff writer. Um, he wrote like on the Juke Carey show and he wrote on Are You There, Chelsea? And he really wanted to do a project that was very personal to him because, you know, being on these shows, these are not shows about people of color. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so he reached out to me uh just to and he took a chance on me he said well you know i know lilan has um created some stuff for funny or die and like she's created her own sketches um and she and she was on this kid show she might be a good director for kids ooh yeah so he took a chance um and i'm so glad he did because i think i I think I did a good job <laughs> I, you did do a good job yeah i love that Thank you're you. you're owning it own that Lila you you, it was so well done and that it's not I don't know I mean I work with various directors I'm not like ultra seasoned uh actor in comparison to you but like I've been on my share of sets and I've seen different directing styles and sometimes there's there are directors who like don't have to have been an actor per se to like Mm-hmm. They can still understand the story and like know how to get it out of people. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. You don't have to be an actor to be a good director. But, but I, I think, think being helps. an actor helped me be mm-hmm. a good director. I personally feel like that was I could once I once I understood that you directed, I was like, oh, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like uh I there's something just really electric about being at the helm like that too. And it, I, I didn't realize I, I like had that in me. You know, as an actor, you you take direction. You you you're 
you're not the person coming up with the ideas, you know, mm-hmm. like you should be for for your personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it kind of almost gets in the way to think about the world too much mm-hmm. because the world is not your problem as uh, being that character. Right. The your, world your is, focus is somebody is else's problem. But to be able to like just live in the whole world and like think about everyone's likes and dislikes and think about, you know, what what shirts make sense. For this character. What shirts don't? Every single detail I loved. That's was there. Did you have in terms of imposter syndrome? Like what did you have any like major mental barriers? Like were you super just like let's fucking do this like I'm ready or was it because I just imagine. I mean, I've been able to be leadership role in a lot of different ways, and that's amazing. But I do think like when it's a novel role, like something like I'm running this whole Mm -hmm. shebang, and -hmm. it's something that I've never technically done before to this caliber. Mm -hmm. Were you like, did you just go or did you have resistance in yourself of like, can I I, command the room? Like, I was very happy about this. There's something that felt very... Like, you know, like a glove, like a fit. Um, I was also extremely lucky that this was my first experience directing. A lot of people who are directing films are also, you know, creating them. They're they're like everything, you know, they're producing them and they're also writing them and starring in them and stuff like that. And they're wearing all these hats. Right. Um, Like our producer, Joyce Lou Countryman. um, Yeah, she's she got things done. She set up a team. You know, she made things very easy for me. Where um, we had a line producer, May Lee, um, who was setting up um, location scouting and Joyce was grabbing the department heads and Mm. and she was interviewing people and Mm. stuff like that. So I could solely focus on the vision. I could solely focus on directing. Wow. Um, and, And that's what made it. I think really easy for me is because I wasn't just like cold calling people being like, all right, do you do costumes? And <laughs> would you like to, um, although I did reach out to a costumes friend for this, but she wasn't available. Um, but, uh, <laughs> couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, because I had such a powerful team behind me, um, I, I felt completely like, uh, you know, fish and water. Mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a warm bath, briar, <laughs> you know, every every analogy yes. of feeling at home. I felt at home. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's like, well, I also feel like, again, a lot of attraction to me is just like, well, you attracted that to you. So you it, like the universe gave back what, what energy you were putting out. So I think that that's fantastic. And I do think that that situation can be rare for a lot of people where they're like, they feel like the fish out of water. They're like, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, am I supposed to ask? Like, oh, they're waiting for me to say something. Okay. Like, and I have felt that, and and it's and it's just a, such a bizarre. Oh, they never thing. waited. Yeah, I always said something, even if I didn't need to. That's how. Okay, so since that was something that is, I love that you credit the team because also we we give a lot of credit to like the head honchos of a lot of things, but like we know we know it takes a village, right? Like. Mm. It took a village. Yeah. 15 minutes. It took four days and like a crew of like, you know, all, when all of a sudden done, maybe like 100 people. Whoa. For sure. You know? film for a 15 minute film. Well, I mean, because because you saw like we have a bunch of kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. so we're talking their families. We're talking a set teacher. 
um, catering, crafty, PAs, um, students, Emerson students, AFI students volunteer their time wow. um, to, to, to be a part of this. Um, uh, you know, our, our, the, the department heads that we, we hired um, were like they brought their, their people that they trusted too, and they were so good at what they did. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it, t- it took a village for 15 minutes. That's it took months of prep. <laughs> that makes me simultaneously really freaked out for all the projects I want to do, but also really, really excited. Really, you should be excited. <laughs> you, like, because you know what? Once you're doing them, you you will forget about like the uphill battle because you'll be in it. Right. You'll completely forget about it. It's it's just gonna be like, okay, so that that house owner can't meet today, so we'll reschedule on Tuesday and then um, I think that oh well, we got a good deal with this like production company to make fifteen sports jerseys. Great, great. You know, it's gonna your head's <laughs> gonna be filled with all those things. You won't have time to think about how hard it is. For sure, we'll just be doing it. This <laughs> and this is where I think like that prep thing that I was talking about. Like I I kept re- I kept envisioning all these these visions that I have of like films I want to make and projects I want to do. Um, I'm in production for one or like about to, I'm in pre production for a pilot that I'm recording. It's a Nice. podcast pilot nice um which i i sidebar want to talk to you about offline um <laughs> but it's like also recognizing oh these are skills that i learned in collab doing live events for the last decade plus you know so mm-hmm. there's a lot of like transferable skills so i was like oh it's just ask it's like coordinating all this crap but just in a different medium that's all yeah oh absolutely you have them it's I I use this analogy all the time, but like Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. <laughs> like, I, you know, you you build up your muscles and then you can apply them to other things. I love that you say muscles because when you said building up muscles, I thought of you with your heavy backpack as a kid. I'm just I didn't know it, but I was building up. You were my shoulder muscles and my emotional muscles. You were <laughs> this. I love that. It's very poetic. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this turned into a pep talk for me and like a therapy. Again, all so many of my podcasts end up being like a therapy session. Like this is what I'm going through. And then so great. my guests end up being like my, uh, my, my therapist. No, I'm but, so here for it. It's mine too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm here for whatever you need, Leland. You know that I'm here for you. And honestly, like people will be like, oh, you're, it's easy to hype people up who are doing cool shit. Like what, what easier <laughs> job is there? It's so Honestly, this is like what I feel like I've been You're very so right. lucky to be around. I feel like I feel like like the hardest job in the world has to be an advisor to President Trump. <laughs> That's gotta be the hardest job in the whole world. Or like the, the <sighs> press secretaries. Impossible like, job. You know, just spinning. You're spinning left and right. Yes. It's like what he actually meant was yes. he's actually a genius if you just kind of squint your eyes and look at it from this angle. <laughs> and then if you ignore these facts, but then like think about these facts that I made up, then then what and about that? Don't look that? over here. Don't look over here. I swear to God. No, just, just look, look at my face. Look at my face. Look at my face. Like just every mm-hmm. corner. Like how are you going to explain like he held the Bible upside down because he is a, a forward thinker that is – upside down in thought who who knows man what is happening i swear it was meaningful in the best way possible like what like you know it's it's got to be like wouldn't you just love to work for somebody being like they did a good job 
God, God willing. They, sa- they said normal things. <laughs> I feel like, but it's it's in the contrast of things. It's given us such an appreciation for simple truth and fact that they're oh like, my gosh, that much more uh, appreciated and and distinguishable now. I don't know, like it, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. saying facts now is like a luxury, right? In this oh, day gosh. and age, facts. And, oh, remember facts? We I do <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> It's just a lot. But I also want to say, like, it's my belief, especially right now, like the importance of comedy and like the things that um, storytellers can do, maybe Mm -hmm. in terms of like opportunity, but also responsibility is like to leave no stone unturned. Like, I think making fun of people in a a good way, in like a smart Mm -hmm. way and Mm -hmm. like finding levity in situations is a really good like delivery system of of like reality. Like we can Mm -hmm. we can we can see the absurdity of all of it. Do you know what I mean? Comedy has a lot of power, yeah. I think, because it's inform it can be informative and disarming. Yes. So disarming. you you create like a like a tunnel where information can travel and be absorbed. And people welcome it. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. they're not they're not trying to keep it out. They're like, I want to yes. laugh. Exactly, right? You know, and if you're the you're the like the stinky guy that's not laughing, then people are like, What's your problem? You know, like <laughs> have fun. You know, like um, like I just think that comedy is so useful in um, showing truth in a way where people are ready to accept. What is your ultimate dream? Pro- Do you have like anything that now that you've you're at this point and we're like setting the stage for the next episode when you return and you have like you're, you're like in, up to your eyeballs in pre-production for the next project? Do you have? Uh, a grander vision that's blossomed out of all this stuff that's happened thus far. I want to lean in hard to um, telling diverse stories. I'm so I've been so empowered by Andy Mack. I was so empowered by becoming Eddie. Uh, I feel like I just I want to take that momentum and I want to run with it. I want to see. I, I want to surround myself with stories of things that I've I've haven't seen yet you know mm-hmm. things like um like my favorite shows are are worlds that i get to um explore with without knowing innately like um rami like vita like um like like uh so many i and now i'm run out um but <laughs> but but like the the my favorite shows are, are things that give me something new rather than something familiar mm-hmm. and for me i want to be able to create worlds that feel extremely personal to me and might be new to somebody else Mm -hmm. but familiar to people who are like me i love it like so i want to i want to explore i want to keep exploring also i'm i'm like reinvigorate um invigorated to being connected with my cultural identity so like over uh quarantine i i started a chinese class Awesome. Um, started taking one, not started teaching. <laughs> I'm now a professor of Chinese. No, 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 no. Um, but like, I, I want to, you know, be more connected to my cultural identity. And and right now I haven't seen a lot of things that um, are about kind of the, the mixed race experience, mm-hmm. even though we do see a lot of mixed race people on TV, because I feel like mixed race is kind of like, like the safe place where like a lot of mainstream media is like, look, it's a person of color. We don't have to figure out a family for them or whatever. Right. You know, they're their best friend and they're mixed race and no big deal. Ha-ha. They're there. We don't um, need to dive into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I think for me too, um, like I've been able to like education myself on like 
um, what it means, what benefits I have being mixed race, um, and and what what unique things um, are like go on with me because I'm mixed race, right? Right. Um, and and so being able to explore those worlds more are are what I'm dedicated to now. That's incredible. I love that you have a grander vision. I love that you have been building your skill sets. I don't know. I'm just freaking excited. I think that's that's <laughs> what you're saying. I'm I'm I too want to create that, and I'm also hungry to see what else other people bring to the table. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it's just the world is our oyster and there's something kind of yes. terrifying about that for a lot of people. Cause it's just like the <laughs> wild west and you don't know, but like also mm-hmm. like, yay, it's the wild west and we don't know. Totally. We can make it whatever we want. Totally. And I think that like people like you and I have been hungry for a long time, you know, we've been working for a long time and, um, it's nice to see the media, like Hollywood and the industry respond to be like, wait, what does a diverse story look like? <laughs> you know? And, and I think that it's, it's going to be an exciting time for a lot of us. I think so. I, I, I feel it in my bones and I feel like I've been given <laughs> a second wind. I was honestly pretty tired already today, but you've given me a second wind for like, likewise, let us I take mean, on. I, I hope I hope that like I mean this has been very energizing for me. I hope there's some energy that like we can give to our listeners of this being like, yes, do things, make stories. Ah! All of it. <laughs> no, I I well, I'm saying if we feel it, I think there's somebody out there who's also felt it and and All right, I, comment in the chat. <laughs> yeah, comment <laughs> leave it, leave your comments. Like button <laughs> and hit subscribe. Oh god, I'm a YouTuber. Which honestly, that's another avenue for this podcast that I've actually entertained. Like, okay, can I also make YouTube videos? Like, what could I do? short form that'd be fun oh heck yeah in video format because for me i'll like put my plug on that one of my visions is to like for my identity is to 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 own it even further because i do think i have flinched even so far as like putting my face on like my own podcast um wow artwork magic but it's I, you. Yeah. Like I, 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 I consciously and subconsciously like stayed away from that. Like I was like, oh no, it's just about the conversations. I was like, no, like it's, I'm not, it is about me being an Asian American podcast host. Yes. You know? <laughs> and I can put my face on that and, and, to, and have that be a thing. And like, I don't know why I, I do know that's a whole other episode. Like we don't have to get into I totally it. get it. But uh-huh, like yeah. to put my face on it, to own it, to put my face on YouTube and talk about the things I want to talk about. I'm a leadership nerd. Like I I'm a thespian nerd. Like I, it's not necessarily the, the sexiest stuff that gets the most viral hits, but it's stuff I want to say. And like, why yeah. hold back from that? You know? Absolutely. Also, Minji, you got a great face. <laughs> we got to get that face out there. More people got to see it. <laughs> right back at you. I, I, everyone needs to go. Okay. So I'll, we'll, we'll let that be a segue to like your Instagram. Cause you're, I just want to say Leland, I also think you're one of the most beautiful people, not just like, Talented. I can't. I can't. I can't even. Just, this is you're gorgeous. This, we know this, and so we're gonna own all the things because that's what 2020 is about. Who cares about what other people think? It's just owning what is. And facts. Yeah. And facts matter. And facts are your gorgeous. facts are important. <laughs> so if there's two things we want to to give to our our viewers is that we both have great faces and facts are important. I'm learning how to appreciate my face, and then that's part of the journey. Good. Yes. So thank you. I'm receiving your, see, this is part of me as a woman receiving your compliment. Thank you very much. And I it's a big step and I'm, I'm applauding you for it. Thank you. We're nodding too. We're nodding. We're nodding. <laughs> where can, uh, where can people follow your path, your journey, see all your works, all that stuff? Um, I, I'm pretty just open on at your friend, Lelon 
on Instagram and Twitter. Twi- twi- Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't really hold back. I try to keep it clean for the kids. Um, I do have a lot of feelings. <laughs> mm. Um so, um, but like, yeah, that's where I'm promoting my projects and that's where I'll, I'm also sharing my feelings on how to be a better citizen of the world. Yes. And it, it is feeding me. I want to show. Oh, I don't know when this comes out, but, um, but also check out Becoming Eddie. It's at playing at Bentonville Film Festival online. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yes, uh, we're, we're so excited by it. Uh, if you go to Bentonville Film Festival, Becoming Eddie, it'll direct you to where you can get a virtual ticket and you can watch a batch of shorts. All the shorts are great in it too. So it is, um, a really fun 90 minutes. This it's so it's so funny. I yeah. And also shout out to Helen Hong. I got to play her yes. wretched sister in a short film that she made. Curious Georgina was her and uh Oh my goodness. Bobby yes. Lee. Um Mindy, how do I see this film? Good question. It was online for a second because um Helen got Curious Georgina picked up by Kevin Hart's network something or other so it Heck was yeah. on youtube for free for a minute i don't know if it's still there i'll, I'll, I'll find i'm the little cameo list. at the beginning but i i was like simultaneously horrified and honored that she thought of me specifically for her like her horrible sister <laughs> oh i love it i, I love like the it. condescending like what are you even doing with your life and i was like oh oh no but i was like yes sign me up how, how long is it 10 minutes 11? yeah it's it's a short um because she's Found turning it. into episodic so yeah i'm gonna be watching it Today. Helen's the best. And oh, she's sorry. in Becoming Eddie. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like watching it now. <laughs> we'll <laughs> enjoy it. And um, thank you so much, Lilan. I, I freaking adore you. And we'll be back to talk more about womanhood, creative things, and the the wondrousness that's going to be your journey. Yay. Yay. Minji, likewise, likewise. This is so much fun and so like d- delicious for my ego. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> I'm all about feeding healthy egos. <laughs> All right. Um, well, get over to where you need to go. Um, and thank you so much again for having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode with Lilan Bowden. Thank you, Lilan, for being such a wonderful guest. I hope you guys are all feeling inspired and empowered and invigorated and all the things. I can't make words anymore. Um, isn't she great, y'all? <laughs> Please share it with a friend if you guys were moved by it. Think that somebody could use Lilan's light. Go ahead and, and shoot that link over to them because that's what love is: sharing, sharing good content. You know. Uh, thank you to Marvin Ua for my audio engineer and producer. Thank you for helping keep this podcast alive, and thank you to my Patreon patrons for helping keep this podcast alive. Thank you to the new patrons who've come in in the last month. I'm so moved and happy and grateful for your support. Um, keeping this microphone and the Wi-Fi on so we can keep pushing out that content. I have been talking about it for a long time, but let's bring this to YouTube and Twitch, maybe. Is that something you guys would like? I don't know. Let me know. One of my friends recently, we had like a long discussion on relationships and love. And she suggested that I just do like a love advice segment. So I don't know if I want to do that on this podcast or do that on Twitch or something. It might be more natural to do it in real time and just use it as an opportunity to hang out with people. I don't know. But I love talking about it. She was really 
happy with the advice that I gave her. I would love to make it a regular thing if it could be, if it's if it is so desired. So you guys, let me know. You can uh, find me on Instagram at First of All Pod and at Minjeezy, which is my personal page. And you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. And I would love to hear your feedback and any questions. Honestly, hit me up. Let's see if let's see if this is a thing. We'll see if this becomes the, the thing, the next expansion of First of All Podcast. And uh, yeah, you can find First of All on all of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Y'all, we're taking over the world. This is like an expansion of the channel that I didn't know that I'd be so enthusiastic about, but let's do it, you know? Like, let's spread love, um, share inspiration. I'm putting my hat in the ring. Let's do it. And uh, shout out to Run River North. Thank you so much for your use of your song, Pretty Lies, for the intro and outro. And I'm also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Feel free to check out those shows because there's some really, really funny stuff out there. Funny, meaningful. And a really quick plug, I want to shout out uh, Priska and Roxy, who started their new podcast called Two Horny Goats. They didn't ask me to shout this out, but I just love them both. I think they're both incredibly funny, insightful, fiery-spirited human beings, women. And um, go check out their podcast. I'm about to check it out. They just released their first episode, and I'm here for it. They they are just... Get ready. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of First of All. Stay tuned for more wonderful conversations. And yeah, let me know what you think about this whole love and relationship thing. I just... Yes. I I would gladly carve out time uh, to talk about dating and dating, sex, like all of the things, like respectfully, of course, don't get weird. But uh, yeah, let's let's see what, what happens. And in the meantime, have an amazing week. I love all of you. Be safe. Bye. Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, No. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So, are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden, from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja! Am I going to see Sana Tao Buns?